Hear now the word of the Lord from 1 John 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. These words are true. And they can be trusted. If you would, just uh, reach out your hands like you're receiving a gift. God, in a perception, we, we turn to you. Lord, you are the provider of all that is good. You are the place where all the beauty comes from. If you would, just in a spirit and posture of prayer, just, just ask, say, God, speak to me. And if you would, um, pray for the people around you. Ask that God would speak to them. Parents, pray for your kids. Kids, pray for your parents. And if you don't mind, even take a second and just uh, pray for me. Pray that the Lord would speak through me. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for your grace. In your wonderful name, move today. Amen. You guys go ahead and have a seat. It is great to be with you all in the house of the Lord. And uh, Josh, I love, I love the hymns. Is that okay that I, I... I grew up with them. I, I know, me too. It's so it's good. I just, I love... Yeah, see, we got a couple fans out there. This is a, a first hour. This is where you're going to get your biggest fan base. That's how that's, how that's works for sure. That's right. I love it, man. It's so good. Because for me, the hymns, this is not even in my notes at all. Uh, for, for me, the hymns, uh, they work as like theology setters that I learned when I was a kid. And so like when I was a, a little boy going to church. So it's so funny. Like as a little boy going to church, I hear these hymns over and over and over again. And they ratified theology in my heart without me knowing it. Without me knowing it, 
And so then I kind of rebelled against all that stuff because it was antiquated old and, you know, for old people. And, uh, and then I discover as I get older, you know, when, with my kids and family and life, and um, when I'm in those seasons, I'm driving down the road and I'm just like, man, Lord, I really want you to move. Hymns will come to mind that I learned as a kid. It's crazy. And so uh, that's, that's pretty awesome. Maybe I should just turn my whole sermon into a song and maybe it was sick more. I don't know. Um, but I love that you all are here today. I'm excited to get into this. Okay, quick review, and then we're going to jump into today. So we are in a series on prayer, and kind of the big thing that we've been wanting to do is we've been wanting to, through the 21 days of prayer, the daily prayer prompts that you've been receiving through text messages across the different campuses. We've had hundreds and hundreds of people around the city that have been receiving these just as a prompt to pray, morning, noon, and night. And I, I, I love that. So bringing prayer into your daily lives, your daily routines, where you usually do life, bring prayer into that. You know, if you're a medical doctor or a salesman, or if you're a lawyer, whatever you do, you know, just that prompt to pray in your current context. You know, if you're working as a carpenter, whatever it is that you do, bringing prayer into your regular context. Uh, and then what we've been wanting to do is we've been wanting to show that prayer is more than just asking God for stuff. It's more than just asking God for stuff. There's nothing wrong with petition. I don't want to put that down or belittle it, but it's so much more than just that. In fact, you are not, we talked about this two weeks ago, you are not going to spend eternity merely asking God to get better. Like that's not your eternal state, you know what I mean? You're not going to spend eternity with God going, oh, please help my retirement fund. Oh, come to help me help my investments toward God. Please help my cousin who's sick. Please help me. That's not you forever. The prayer that Eternal is so much more than just petition. And petition isn't bad. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's so much more than that. And so week one, two weeks ago, was this. Look up. We opened this series on prayer by showcasing the beauty of the cosmos. Psalm 19, one, that was two weeks ago. And then last week, we did week two. This was last week. Week two was last week. We said, look around. We practice seeing the beauty of God in our life experiences, Psalm 104, 24 through 25. Learning to see that God is the place where all the beautiful things come from. In fact, eternity really is us enjoying God, enjoying giving us beautiful things that make us enjoy him even more. That's eternity. We talked about that last week. Week three this week, and I think this is going to be really, really important. Today, the third week of the prayer series, we're going to look at love, looking at love, looking at the very nature of God. Today, we will give our prayerful attention to the nature, the nature, to the nature of who God is, which is, it's love. 1 John 4, 7 through 8. Okay. I'm kind of curious. Can anybody here or tell me, and I'm, you can go ahead and speak it out loud. I'm curious. Tell me who the most loved, top of the charts, billboard number one musician recording artist is today. Does anybody know it? Wow, you did. I thought if there was any congregation, I love you all, but I thought first service, they're probably not going to. You did know it. Okay, so uh, for all of you other, Taylor Swift is like by far, I looked it up just out of curiosity. So billboard.com, Taylor Swift is the top of the charts, the best of the best, most loved and has been for a while now. She is the top recording artist. It is uh, by a long shot. 
it is actually really interesting. So uh, that's right. Uh, you Swifties out there, that's right, I did some looking up, I know, some like common language, that's right. Swifties, that's what they call all of you who love Taylor Swift. So for all you Swifties out there, I just want to ask a couple questions about her. So think about Taylor Swift, think about her music. I don't know which ones you, songs you like or albums you listen to. But let me ask a couple questions. So say we could take Taylor Swift and I could like kind of like hold her up in my hand right here. That'd be weird. I don't know. And so like I, we just, or stand her here. Maybe that's a better way to do it. You just stand up here. Hey, Taylor Swift, how are you? High five. You know, uh, don't mess up football anymore. Uh, but... Just kidding, just kidding. That was maybe not appropriate. Uh, but if you could take Taylor Swift, just pause with me. If you could take Taylor Swift and uh, her 279 million, 279 million Instagram followers, 279 million Instagram followers. If you could take Taylor Swift and take away her ability to write good music, how many of those 279 million Instagram followers would still love her? Produce good music. The reality is probably almost all of them would cease to love her if she didn't produce great music. On the same hand, take Taylor Swift and, and of the, what was it? I was looking all this stuff up. The 90 million, is it X now, Twitter, whatever it was before, followers on Twitter, Instagram, X, whatever, like all those X, Twitter. Twitter is X, right? Am I getting that right? I got to learn my social media stuff better. So on X, the 90 million followers of her, what if you could take away the fact that like her demeanor and her, her like cute appearance, if you could take that away, you literally just took away her ability to make music and her like cute demeanor posture. If you could take that away, how many of those people would actually still love her? I mean, we all kind of intuitively know that 99.9999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999
and you do really well. And when the game's over, the coach is like, I love you, you're so awesome. No, he doesn't. He loves what I produced. Or say they love Taylor Swift. Everybody loves Taylor Swift. No, they don't. They love what Taylor Swift produces. Now, now, so here's the other side of this, the accidental byproduct of the system. And the subsequent fear, so this thought continues, and the subsequent fear is that I am always at risk of losing being loved. The moment you can't produce, you will be unloved by your boss, by your coach, by popular media, by... So from little children on, now, hold, hold on. I'm not saying that how we, I think how we do society in a lot of ways is really good. I'm just saying this is an accidental byproduct of it. From little child all the way up, you are being taught that you being loved is directly connected to what you produce. Think of how that's going to play out in how you view God. Think of how that's going to play out and how you view God. <coughs> Prayer. Prayer isn't primarily about producing a product. Though when I hear people pray, that's the way most people pray most of the time. God, help me produce some kind of product. I'm not saying that's always bad. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to create this dichotomy, evil, good, right? Like this is just a byproduct of the culture that we are in. Prayer isn't primarily about producing a product. It's not primarily about success in something. It's not primarily even about earning God's love. It's not primarily about earning God's love. Prayer is not primarily about earning God's love. Prayer is primarily about a personal relationship. Prayer is first about God loving you and you falling in love with him. Give me the rest of the morning to show this to be true. And this reality will actually set your heart free from the burden of feeling like you have to produce enough to earn God's favor. 1 John 4, 7 through 9 was read earlier. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Okay, so now if your experience of love is all tied into what you've produced your whole life. Every time it's talking about being loved, your framework, cultural framework that you have in your head is like, so produce, production, driven, tied into this word over and over and over again. Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest. So now we get to actually learn what God's love is. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Who's doing the work? All right, let's take this apart. And I get, just be patient with me as I work through this. Let's take this scripture apart slowly and just think about it. The first word, beloved. I love this. Beloved. The very heart 
of the upcoming instruction is the care of the person about to receive it. When you offer correction, do you care about the person and not just the idea? Do you care about the person, beloved, beloved? The instruction is coming from a heart, a heart that actually cares about the person. How many times have you sat in a business meeting? How many times have you sat down with a coach? How many times have you sat down with a teacher? How many times in these environments and it's ultra clear they don't actually see you as beloved. And you know it. The second phrase, and we're going to walk through this here, love is from God. Love is from God. This is so important. Your appetites, man, our modern world needs to hear this clearly. Your appetites, your preferences are not the source or definition of love. They're not. Your appetites, your preferences are not the source or definition of love. Love is from God. So, so this is an important question that we constantly have to ask, especially in this very egocentric modern world that we live in. Do you define what love is based on what the world values or even what you like? Or do you define love based on God? That's so important that you know the source of the definition of that word. The next idea, anyone who does not love does not know God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Anyone, maybe a way to say it would be this, anyone who rejects love as defined by God doesn't truly understand what is loving or a loving act. Do you let God decide what love actually looks like? See, in our modern world, we have kept the definition of love, or we've kept the word love, but, but we have rejected the definition of it. And so whenever you see on social media, you know, this call for compassion, this call to love, they enjoy the word, but they reject the actual definition of it. You see, you don't get to define what love is. Love is defined by God. What is loving is defined by God. What is a loving act to do is defined by God. What love looks like is defined by God. Not you, not your preferences, not modern culture. I love this phrase, in this, in this. So in what we have just read in this scripture, a couple more phrases from the text. In this, the love of God was made manifest. So the love of God embodied, God sent his son into the world. What does love look like? What does it embody? What does it do? It's made manifest in the person Jesus. If you want to know what love does, if you want to know what love says, if you want to know what love believes in, if you want going to respect, if you want to know what love is going to submit to, you look to Jesus, not pop culture, not even in your own heart. You look to Jesus first. Love is from God. So maybe a way to say it would be this, do you study love? Like if you want to study love and really know love and really understand love and really be able to use love and walk in love and talk like love and act like love and respond like love and do loving things, if you want to do that, you need to study and know Jesus. 
so you can actually know it, know what love is. One more section of this that I want to take us through. We might live through him. I'm getting, my microphone's getting rejected. I keep breaking these things. Thank you, Alyssa. That's all right. Switching it up. Testing, testing, one, two. Oh, wow. I have the power. We might live through him because God loved us and sent his son. And so this is, this is crucial. Like a passionate, loving dad and mom, God wants you to live immersed in his loving family. Do you accept the love of, of God? Do you accept the love of God? Those that call themselves Christian but don't know what is loving or what is a loving act or how love should respond to all the pop culture complexities, if you don't know how to act, it's not that you're not looking at pop culture enough, it's that you're not looking at Jesus enough. That's how you know what the loving thing to do is. To the Christians out there, and there's a lot of them, to the Christians out there that purposely label and act as loving that doesn't look like Jesus, you play an eternally dangerous game. When you attach loving or a loving act to something that doesn't actually look like Jesus. The definition, the source of love is from Christ. One more phrase I want to walk us through, and then I'm going to try to pull these ideas together. It's going to take me a few minutes to do. The next line in this text is so good. It says, we might live through him. We might live through him. Love is life, but love is defined by God. We might live through him because God loved us and sent his son. Where does love come from? What does it look like? What is its source? It is all from God. God is love. Like a passionate, loving dad and mom, God wants you to live immersed, immersed in his loving family. This is so central. Do you accept the love of God? Do you accept that God is the definition of love? I'm going to invite Josh up, and we're going to do a little bit of reflection as we walk back through this. When we, as believers... Believe that we have to earn love or believe that what we produce is going to be the primary thing that makes God love us. You choose to take on the weight of the favor of God and that weight is unbearable for your soul. The love of God came to you. The love of God came to you. You didn't deserve it or earn it. Romans 5, 8, and 9. While we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Literally, the love of God came to you while you were still in sin. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. It was just given to you. The fact that it was freely given, this is so important that you get this, the fact that it was freely given from a heart of compassion. In fact, I think I'm going to put this up even on the screen here. You can go to the next slide. 
The fact that it was freely given from a heart of compassion is the gift that frees you from false views of love. This is so important. And hopefully you'll see why in the next few minutes. It is freedom from thinking that you must be talented enough, wealthy enough, smart enough, or influential enough to earn it. Because love is from God to you before you deserve it, it means that you don't have to be talented enough, wealthy enough, smart enough, or influential enough to have God care about you. He already does. And it was given to you. Like a parent with a newborn baby, love is wholly given in complete charity. While we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. I have, I keep this with me, this is kind of fun. Uh, I keep this with me. This is, I've even got a picture of it. Uh, this, is a, this is a picture from one of my kids to me. So this amazing piece of art was drawn by Julia, my three-year-old. So a number of weeks ago, she came running in and uh, I was working on my computer in my office. She came running in, she was so excited. She came running into me and she goes, Dada, Dada, Dada. And I turn around and she's like, I made this for you. And I was like, Whoa. And so after she goes, I made this for you, she opens up her arms really big because she's ready for like the reward, the hug, right? I made this for you. Give me a hug, Dad. So I take it and I picked her up in my chair. And I pulled her in tight and I hugged her and she wrapped her arms around my neck, my little three-year-old. And I was just like, it's so beautiful. You're so beautiful. I love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And she goes running out of the room and I folded it up and I kept it with me. Now, let me ask you, is this objectively brilliant work? Well, I mean, it's not like good poetry. It's not like a good story. I can't even make out a stick figure. All of the worth in this is because I love her. That's all of the worth of this. <laughs> all of the worth in this is because I love her. All of the worth in this is because I love her. That's what makes this worthy of my attention and me keeping it and me treasuring it is because I love her. Okay, so let's just pause on this for a second. You, you understand, like, the, the book I wrote for you all that we're going to go through, it's like sermon notes kind of half turn into, but we're going to go through this uh, starting in two weeks. We're going to start working through this, what it means to have spiritual relationships, friendships. Do you understand that my best work compared to an infinitely brilliant God, when I'm like, God, look at this. I made this for the people I care about. When I give this to God, to God's infinite wisdom, it's way closer to I mean, God's infinitely wise. Let's take the smartest of humanity. This right here, a qualitative research manual given to post classes, doctoral students, while they are working on their dissertations. So 
you kind of don't even really start going through this book till you're done with all your doctoral classes and you begin working on your dissertation. Qualitative research made the sensing's work. This right here, it's like you read it, you gotta go back and read it again, you gotta go back and read it again, and you're like, I'm not sure what this says. I gotta go get a cup of coffee and go back and read this again. It's one of those books. Did you know that the smartest of humanity compared to an infinitely brilliant God is still us offering God He's infinitely brilliant. All of the worth of the best of what humanity can create is only valuable because God loves us. In all of the universe, he could wipe us all out and I guarantee one, just one of them, countless galaxies away, no one would even know. Nothing would even know, nothing would even care. The universe would burn on. Your worth is not in what you produce. Your worth is in you are loved. That's your worth. Uh, let me make a couple statements about this. Like, so what does this do? What does this reality do for us? Well, it does a couple of things that are really important theologically. One, your good work let me just say this really clear. Some of you know this. Okay, whoa, I shouldn't have put that up yet. That was my fault. Uh, some of you, thank you, that was, that was awesome. Some of you, some of you are gonna know what I'm about to say in a really painful way. Your good work, your good work, go ahead and go to the next slide now. Your good work will wear you out if you think you are earning God's love. It'll, it'll wear you out. You find yourself praying over and over and over and over again. You know, God, I'm not good enough and I'm not able and I just wish I could. You find yourself just absolutely worn out. When the scripture says his yoke is easy and his burden is light, for the person that doesn't understand that their love isn't from their work, you feel like God's yoke is heavy and unbearable because you haven't yet caught that he already loves you. He already loves you. Your good work will wear you out if you think you are earning God's love. You're not. Another thing that's true because of this, that's important is if you don't accept, if you don't accept that you are already loved, if you don't accept that you are already loved, you will be nervous to pray, nervous to talk about your faith, nervous to serve, nervous to get engaged. You're always anxious about doing God's work because you think you have to do it right and earn it. And so when you ask a young person, it's okay, there's no condemnation. When you ask like somebody to pray, and you're like, hey, could you pray over the meal? And they're like, oh, I, I don't know how I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> you understand you're loved not because you get it right. And you will never get it right enough that it actually impresses God. Like, oh, wow. I mean, God's not up there listening to the best prayers of the best preachers, and he's like, woo, 
That's a good one. We didn't think about that ever, did we? That's not happening. The most famous, most influential, most wise, most educated of all preachers, all theologians, all through history, they're not doing things on earth and God's like, whoa, we gotta rewrite our books up here. That's, that's way above us. That's not happening. You're not impressing God that way. You offer God your love. It's like, hey, I love you. I care about you. And he's like, man, all of what you produce is valuable simply because you're loved simply because you're loved. That's what makes his burden easy and his yoke light. Another thing it's important to know is this. A secure person, a secure person who already knows they are loved, or a secure person who knows they are already loved, can try things. You can try it. You can try things. It's like, I'll go and serve. I'll give it a shot. I'll learn and grow. You can try things. You can be corrected. You can be like, well, that, that's actually not quite right. We need to fix the theology here. This isn't said. And try again, and you can do it with great courage. You want to know why? Like a child in my home. So when my little kids are learning to walk, when my little three-year-old, my, when she was like 18 months and she was learning to walk, and I'm helping her a little younger than that, actually, and I'm helping her to walk and she falls over, she's not like, I quit, I'm out, you know, I'm never going to get it right. No, she just laughs and giggles and you help her up and she does it again. She, it's play. Learning is play when you know you're loved. Learning is a horrible taskmaster when you think your worth is always on the line. The way to say it would be this. When you know that there is no core identity to be lost, when you know between you and God, when you try to pray, if you get it wrong, there's no core identity to be lost because you didn't earn what is most valuable about you. So you can learn, you can be corrected, you can grow in knowledge, favor, wisdom. You can grow in these things and it's fun and it's play and you learn and you grow and you move forward because there's no identity to be lost because you didn't earn what is most valuable about you. You didn't earn what is most valuable about you. Look at love and step up your spiritual engagement. So here's the thing. When I look at Julia and she makes this, I'm looking at it and I'm like, Woo! We got, a, we got a lot of work left to do. And I love her. And this is completely valuable. And I treasure it because it's her first drawing for me. It's valuable because I love her. But you know what I'm also going to do? I'm going to sit down with her. We've already started doing this. And we're going to sit down and I'm going to have her put her hand on mine. And I'm going to write like the word J, Julia, J. She's going to feel my hand write it. And she's going to giggle and laugh and play. Right? And I'm going to draw like a stick figure. Here's the head. Here's the body. Here's the arms. Let's put some muscles on there. Good job. All while she's learning. She's not learning to earn my love. She's growing from my love. Do you understand? This is your spiritual journey. You're not working to earn God's favor. You're growing from and in his favor, right? Like you're growing from it, from it, from his love, you move forward. You've already earned it. 
or you've already been given it. You have not earned it. What I want to do um, today before we run out of time is I just want to, I want to pray for you. Uh, but before I do, I want to challenge you. As we continue the 21 days of prayer, uh, I want to ask, ask, that you would step out in a new boldness. So like, when you go to pray and you get that prompt, whether it's morning, noon or night, you get that prompt to pray, I just wanna challenge you to step up your courage. Really offer your heart to God. to do this or this it's all this to God he's so infinitely greater than us and he loves it simply because your heart's in it so I just want to challenge you to step up your courage pray 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 boldly pray boldly you're right over time you might not get exactly what you want. It might not go exactly the way you think it will. God's going to grab your hand and help you shape new things. But you don't lose his love in your growth. Pray boldly. Go running into God when you pray. Absolutely confident, not in your work but confident in his love of you. So when Julia comes running in and she's like, daddy, 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 here you go, here you go. And I look at it, this is actually brilliant. I mean, when the Bible says come like children, she comes running into me, she puts this right up, gives it to me, I take it, I look at it, and I look at her, and she goes. And I pick her up in my chair, and the chair leans back, right? So then I lean back, and she's leaning back, and she's holding me, she's got a little head over on my shoulder, she's wrapped up, and I, I go down, like, the, you know, the Zerber it is, like, so like right down on the inside of her neck, and I go on the inside. She starts giggling and laughing and we're having a great time and it's all good. And I set her back down and I pick this back up and I hold it up and I was like, I want you to know, I love it. I love it. All of its value, all of its value is in that I love her. And let me say this clearly, God loves you so you can pray boldly come before your father he might adjust and tinker and teach you new things but you're loved I want to pray for you if you would just bow your head and close your eyes uh, Lord I love you and I'm so grateful for your grace to us <laughs> you know I think there's two things that would happen, Lord, when we discover how great and grand you are. One, I think if we were to really, I mean, for me even, if I was to really realize how 
how infinitely more wise and infinitely more under, your understanding and your your purity, your goodness. I mean, in one way, it could be like, oh, I feel so unworthy, woe is me. And that's not even wrong. You see that in the scripture. But on the same hand, the reality that that love turns towards us, that that love was turned towards humanity and made manifest in the person, Jesus Christ, you love us. So what I wanna do in prayer is I just wanna do this. I want you to embrace your identity, embrace your identity. It is so good that God loves us more like I love Julia and not like how we love Taylor Swift. In your mind, I want you to picture, use your imagination in prayer. Maybe this is a real story for you, I don't know, but I want you to picture in your mind that you walk into, maybe it's like a delivery room and you've had like an aunt or a cousin or a niece, somebody has just had a baby in your family. You're part of the extended family. And it's the first time the extended family gets to see the baby. So you've got mom and dad in the room and you come walking in with your extended family and there's the mom holding the little baby laying in the bed and the dad's next to him. And it's the first time everybody sees the baby. Just imagine that in your mind, imagine that scene. That baby has done nothing for the family except cause pain at this point. <laughs> In fact, literally, if it's your daughter that just gave birth or it's your niece or a cousin or a relative that just gave birth, literally all the baby has done is hurt them so far. But in that room, at that moment, with that new baby, with all the extended family, everybody is so excited and there's so much love and there's so much charity. The baby can't speak. The baby can't feed itself. The baby, the baby can't do anything. It's so loved, so chosen, so desired. Everybody can't wait to play and teach and learn and work with the child. I just want you to be aware of the kind of love that's offered to that baby. And then I want you to be very aware that is the kind of love God offers to you. Oh, he's not going to leave you the same. He's going to teach you to walk. He's going to teach you to talk. He's going to grow you in knowledge and wisdom and favor with God. You're going to grow, but the kind of love given to you is that kind of purity. Now what I want you to do is this. All I want you to do is still in a state of prayer. I just want you to grab the next steps card and just start writing whatever God is putting on your heart. What does the Holy Spirit want to say to you personally? Grab the next steps card and in a state of prayer, just start reflecting. What does God wanna to say to you personally in light of his love? What does he want to say?